Hi, everybody. Hi, Laura. We are live. How good morning. Good afternoon in the UK. Morning for you. So what time is it for you? 11? 11 o'clock. 11. And we were just having a conversation. Both of our hair, well, mine's definitely just gone like this. We just feel a little unkempt today, but that's part <laughs> of the fun of this. We're, we're all trying to tackle our perfectionist tendencies. We certainly are. So but we do it anyway. We us in our pure form, just unpolished versions. Yeah, just as we are, yep. just as we are. So I think we said today we'd talk two topics. So we were going to do imposter syndrome and then you sent me one, I think, last week, didn't you, about toxic positivity. Yeah. Which one do you want to start with? I think, let's just, yeah, let's get toxic positivity out of the way because I think it'll help us talk about imposter syndrome. Okay, go. So toxic positivity. So... If you Google toxic positivity, you get lots of different de different definitions. But basically, in my in my perception, it's this idea that we want to sugarcoat things and be very optimistic, positive all the time, which is good. I mean, Kelly and I are both optimists. We're both positive people. But in HR, there seems to be this pervasive need to be so positive that we actually can't and don't talk about the tougher stuff. Mm -hmm. Because we're so afraid that, like, we'll be perceived as negative. So I get on a lot of calls with HR pros who say to me, like, I don't want to sound negative, but I'm scared to say it, but I know this sounds bad, but. And I say, let's just take that judgment out. Mm. If we're actually going to, like, improve ourselves and our field, yeah. we have yeah. to kind of, like, shake this notion that we're always going to be on and always going to be, things are always going to be rosy, Right. And I think it comes from that, like, unlearning we're doing of HR always being so, you know, the cheerleader and the mom and the positive one and the sort of, like, caregiver. Because, mm -hmm. as we all know, even moms and caregivers have to tackle the tricky stuff. It's not all – so it's a hard one because I think when, when we start talking about the messy work we have to do in HR, people get very uncomfortable because it sounds negative. And they get, like, the wall comes up of – I don't really want to talk about this because it's not positive. I'm like, ugh, we kind of have to do it. So what are your thoughts, Kelly? Well, I suppose I'm, I'm in the same boat with you, and I think that will probably lead on to, to what we talk about when we come on to a bit about the imposter syndrome. But I think if we're not really saying how we are, and again, I think I think this comes back to a lot of emotions, doesn't it? I think, and I've been doing loads and loads of stuff about kind of emotions and stuff at the minute. I don't know if one of the books I've got is here or or at the office. Um, but I think we seem to have got it to the point of like labelling like good emotions and bad emotions. And what I think where we need to get to is recognising that we just have emotions and there's nothing necessarily good or bad about them. Actually, what I'm feeling today, if I try to ignore that and turn it into a positive or, you know, and I, I think it comes back to some of the questions, doesn't it? And, and some of the conversations that we've had privately and live, like, you know, how are you today? Like, I don't ask that unless I'm ready to hear the answer. But we know that some people will ask because it's just the polite thing to do. I don't really care how you are. So let's just brush it under the carpet, tick the box to say, yes, I've done it. And then let's just move on. Right. Because if you're going to give me the reality of how you're feeling and what you're going through, if I'm not ready to hear that, that might, that you know, you, you right. might impact my mood. And 
I think we've just got to, we've got to stop it. We've got to be, actually, like, today is really, again, like conversation we were just very quickly having before we came on. We may not be feeling our best selves today because of bad hair days and all those sorts of things. I've realised that, you know, I've forgotten to put my lippy on. In the grand scheme of things, with everything that's been going on this year, like, that's a really small thing. But we're doing it anyway. Right. And it's, we can say, I don't feel like, great today, I don't look great today, but I'm doing yeah. it anyway. Yeah, and this notion that, like, in HR right now, every HR pro is forced to be really having, like, tough conversations. Like, they're mm -hmm. forced to face diversity and inclusion, equity, belonging. They're being forced to face a move to remote work when they've been in office culture forever. They're battling like really old school executives. And I say that as a term of endearment of like pulling people to a modern space, pulling people to a new way of thinking. Yeah. Those aren't, like that's not a place of easily just kind of going positive all the time. It means that you sometimes have to call people out on things or address things or like actually kind of talk about what's going on yeah. and i'm finding hr pros struggling so much with that shift of like but i'm always the one that's like lifting up the room and now i'm kind of forced to have the messy icky yucky conversation yeah 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 and so i do think this ties into what we're going to speak about now of like maybe why yeah. they're feeling this imposter yeah, and I think, like we also spoke, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? I think where a lot of HR are at the moment also, I think we are in this kind of web of, and the and the only way that I can describe it at the moment is a bit like survivor's guilt in that we've kind of got two ends of the spectrum going on at, at, the, at the minute, haven't we? We've got HR who are struggling to keep their jobs or who have lost their jobs because of everything that's that's been happening this year that are really really finding it difficult and not just hr you know we've seen it in talent recruitment lnd engagement all all of those kind of people areas so we've we've got kind of the the job losses at one end of the spectrum and then at the other end of the spectrum there are those that are still in businesses that are either thriving or surviving or growing and it, it's kind of like actually it's it's like I would feel really guilty if I started to say that I'm really struggling this week or that I'm really feeling the weight of everything this week because I know there are all these people that are kind of losing their jobs. And so I think even more so like we're feeling like we've got to paint the smile on and show the world that, you know, we're doing a really, really good job because we are in a good place in that we still have a job and we still have things to do and and we're still keeping it going and yet it's, it's still okay to say despite all of the good stuff you know I'm grateful that I've still got a roof over my head I'm grateful I've still got a job I'm grateful that I've still got a team I am starting to feel the weight of this right like this is starting to feel exhausting it's starting right. to feel heavy it's starting to feel hard that's okay to say. And acknowledging that, again, from a feeling perspective, from an energy perspective, like I'm feeling it this week. Last week and this week, I have been feeling it. That doesn't mean that I'm not grateful. That doesn't mean that I'm yeah. not, you know, proud of, you know, the fact or that I, I've still got busy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. we've somehow thought if we admit we're exhausted, we're also admitting that we're negative or pessimistic yeah. or like, yeah. and I, it seems to be really common in our space. I don't know. I mean, it's such a complex issue, but we have to challenge it. 
To be exhausted does not mean you are not positive. It just means no. you're a human being who's like hit yeah. a wall. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in some cases, and again, you and I have been doing a lot of this this year, just giving and giving and giving. You know, like we wanted to stay present. We've wanted to stay visible. We've offered help. We've offered support. We've... We've given time for free. We've bought out new products. We've bought out new services. We've we've done all of this stuff in amongst the you know the same as everybody else. We've had no breaks. We've had no downtime. We've had no holidays. We've had no proper time away from work. And and again, I think we were talking about the other week, weren't we? Like if our if we were to take time out because we need it and because we're knackered and because we're starting to feel the weight, if for any reason then our businesses did not survive because we'd taken that break it oh well I, you know i didn't do everything that i possibly could during 2020 to keep my business going and oh my god like the guilt of of all of that and yet there's something about the fact that if we like we keep pushing you know we keep putting the social media stuff out there we keep doing lives we keep talking to people we keep doing all of this there's almost something and again this is very similar for those that are internal and then self-employed there's something about the like if we switch off kind of like we'd only have ourselves to blame if we lost our job or we lost our business or, or, or any of that sort of stuff. And but and recognising that we cannot be on all of the time. Right. Recognising that we do need time out, recognising that we do need to look after ourselves. And as you've said, there's nothing, there's nothing negative about that. It is just, you know what, Laura, this week I'm knackered and in between yeah. clients I'm going to take some time out. There was an HR pro in our Twitter network who recently tweeted that she talked to a, a, you know, a business manager and admitted that she was feeling tired and he had given her great advice and said, you know, reframe it in your brain. Just say like, I'm looking forward to my second win. And she yeah. said it was great yeah. to get advice. She said it was great to get advice as an HR pro from the business. And it warmed my heart because I thought, how infrequently do we hear that? That an mm -hmm. HR pro is willing to be vulnerable to the business. And yeah. then receive some advice back. We're not the only ones who should be giving advice and giving wisdom, right? Mm. Everyone around us has something to teach us. Yeah. And I love that she was willing to sort of go in there and just say, like, I've hit a bit of a wall. Any words for me? And, like, I should message her privately. I haven't done that yet. Just to say I've been thinking so much about that tweet. And I, I think it's, like, this is where I wanted to ask your thoughts on imposter because I think this is connected mm -hmm. First of all, why don't we define imposter syndrome for the community? Because I think that's okay. First. So for me, if I can kind of get it into, into a nutshell. So for me, imposter syndrome, I suppose, is is getting to a point in your life or in your career and then suddenly worrying, or maybe not suddenly worrying, maybe this is a, a kind of thought or a feeling that you've had all, all the while anyway, but getting a feeling of like, I, I now feel like I'm a fraud, like I shouldn't be in this role. People will, you know, people will uncover the fact that I don't have the skills or the behaviours or the values yeah. or the attitude or or something, but now I'm here it's it's it, it's there is a a likelihood that i will be seen to be a fraud and people will know know that i should not be in this role okay and you and i are seeing this a lot in hr i think you're even seeing it more than i am which is interesting because i wonder if it's a new york thing that it's harder for people mm -hmm. perhaps to admit it so i'm curious in your experience are you finding hr pros able to articulate it to say i feel like an imposter or where are you seeing it show up? How are I you think in, in lots of different ways. So I think people are, it's definitely coming up in conversations. Now, 
I'm picking some of those. Uh, different people are maybe having different definitions. That's my okay. definition. Um, let's quickly see if we can get the Google definition up whilst I've got you on here. But, you know, I think people are just, is, is coming up in conversations. And it, and I think also in in people's posts. So when people are talking about imposter syndrome, it's in the comments that follow, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm experiencing that. I'm feeling that. I'm doing something. So I suppose it's coming up more so as people are articulating it yeah people are then like right that's me okay you are talking to me because mm -hmm. i was thinking i've probably i can only really remember one hr pro i talked to in my career i like vividly remember this i called her about a job that she was really perfect for like it mm -hmm. aligned with her values it aligned with what she was looking for next her experience is spot on and when i called her about it she said you know i'm not ready for that that job would be too big for me that job would stretch me too much and i'm like I don't think so. Like they're ready for you. You, they don't think that. And I don't yeah. think that so you're yeah. the only one who thinks that. And she said, I appreciate it. I need to do work on myself to figure out why I don't feel ready. I, something isn't allowing me to, to kind of progress in my career. Yeah. She was the only one I've ever talked to who was able to articulate it so clearly. I was so proud of it. It felt so authentic and just really, really self-aware. But I thought, gosh, that doesn't come up often for me. I wonder if it's coming up in in like a more subtle ways. Yeah, and that may be like the description that you've just given given there may may have been a lack of confidence. Yeah. So Which is very this, common for me. Yeah, right? so I've got this definition up. So okay. uh, imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon, is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Yeah. Well, so I suppose the difference there. between this lack of confidence and the imposter syndrome is this, I, you know, people will see me as, as a fraud. Okay. So, um, I suppose let's 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 talk some recent recent uh, recent things that have been happening over in the US, and not you know I don't want to turn this into a political conversation, but I suppose that's a bit you know like uh, Kamala Harris uh, becomes vice president, and then like first week she's like oh no I don't, like what if what if people now start to think that I'm a fraud like what if all of my experience and everything that I've done up to that well I'm not I don't think I'm quite ready I'm going to start doubting myself like I'm not. Um, what if my skills up to here are not up to anything? Yeah. Um, what if I'm seen to be a fraud? What if people start unpicking my career history? What if people start to doubt my skills? What if I start yes, to this doubt would my be skills? Really, really not true because she is so qualified and she knows it, which is amazing. But she's a good example for us yeah. as women of someone who yeah. really is so yeah. empowered and confident in her expertise yeah. and skills. Yeah. But it's, I think it's we that feeling of being a fraud. So if she were to get there and then be like, yeah. oh, like people might find out that I'm actually really rubbish, yeah. that would be the difference between imposter syndrome. Whereas, see, then you have people like manipulating that, right? The other side who's kind of planting those seeds. Of That's, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wonder, I know I was just saying actually, I feel like she could teach a course on how women can stand more in their power because she does it with such ease. I'm always sort of, yeah, politics aside, although I'm a big fan, she does sort of, she just explains her accomplishments really gracefully for me mm -hmm. where I don't feel like it's bragging and I don't feel like it's sort of coming from yeah. a place of insecurity. Yeah. I don't know why 
so HR pros definitely have this, right? I wrote down pervasive fear, this lack of depth, like fear of lacking skills. They're doubting their skills. They're doubting their talent. Yeah, and I've been I've been thinking a lot about this since we said that this would be our, our topic of conversation for for today. And and I think I I very quickly said to you at the beginning about a conversation that I was part of last week. So um, anybody that knows me in the UK will know that I'm not a fan of the CIPD. But I did on Wednesday. A uh, contact of mine had arranged um, a Q and A with Peter Cheese, who's the, who's the chair. And uh, there was a conversation that came up there about HR and somebody somebody said, you know, we, I can't remember the exact comment, but it was basically that we, if we were to change, say if we were to change what we're called, and I'm, 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 I'm babbling here, but I think okay. we focus, sometimes we focus too much on what we're called rather than what it is that we yeah. do. And so that was one part of the conversation. But one, somebody had put in the chat of this Q&A, that if we were to call ourselves people, that would just confuse everything because people know what HR do. And I and I kind of then went back to that. Actually, do people know what HR do? Because I still, like I'm 22 years in and I still find myself on a lot of occasions having to explain what it is that HR do. And so since then and about this conversation today, I've been thinking back to some of my coaching clients and some of the conversations that I've had, some of the conversations we've had, this conversation on Wednesday with the CIPD. And I've, I think, I think maybe is it because HR is really broad. Like I've always been a generalist. I was always really pleased and proud of the fact that I was a generalist and I knew lots of stuff about lots of different things. I wasn't necessarily the expert in anything, but I could do lots and lots of things really, really well. And as I then got to HR director, I didn't need to have all of the details because I didn't need to get involved with a lot of the detail, but I did have an HR systems team. I had an engagement team. I had a training team. I had an OD team. So I had the specialists that work underneath me. But is there something around the fact, and I, I haven't got necessarily to the answer to this, but is there something about the fact, because HR is so broad, if I'm then asked to do something that maybe I haven't come across before, maybe it's Tupi, maybe it's mergers and acquisitions, maybe it's you know a massively complex ER case, maybe it's furlough, um, like you know during 2020, you know, but is there that kind of feeling that, if somebody asks us to do something that hasn't been part of our remit up until now, particularly again, if you're an independent HR person, if you're a, you know, if you are the HR person for the business, is there something about the fact that there is this breadth of this role and that we would then feel like the frauds or the imposters if our CEO or MD or whoever comes to ask us to do something that we've never come across before, and rather than have the confidence to say, actually, I've never done Tupi, I've never dealt with mergers and acquisitions, I've never dealt with this level of complexity of whatever this issue is, let's call in an expert. If we were to say that, are we admitting defeat? Yeah. And therefore, we become even more filled with imposter syndrome because it's like I should know all this stuff yeah. and people are going to work out that I don't know how to do my job that I don't know how to do this properly that I don't know how to do this don't know how to do this and don't know how to do this so is that then what exacerbates it so if you think of accounting there are accountants but again in lots and lots of organizations you will have tax specialists you will have 
um, I don't know, VAT specialists, you will have management accountants, you will have accountants, you will have payroll specialists. And so we, we kind of divvy it up a little bit more, don't we? But actually in, in a lot of HR roles, yeah. unless it's a massive organization that has everybody is an expert in their in their in their area yeah. we are expected to know it all and yeah. is that making us feel even more like the fraud and exacerbating the imposter syndrome because until you've done it you can't possibly know everything yeah this is so this is so spot on and i hope whoever's watching rewinds and hears that again because i wrote down so many notes as you were talking this, the, I think the theme is really, I should know this, right? Mm. And that comment that you, like that quote you said, it's like, I should know this. It's really, a, it stems from a fear. And again, no judgment, but I imagine many people hearing this, I certainly am myself. When you hear that, you're like, oh gosh, what am I fearing? Are mm. we fearing job security that if we don't know it, they're going to get rid of us? Are we fearing like we that that, like they're gonna really dislike hr even more than they already do if we don't have the answers like like, are we already kind of coming from a place of scarcity a place of fear where we're like already yearning for that seat we're already trying to like insert ourselves and then Mm. any little mistake we are going to crumble and that's like a really weak position to be in and it's kind of Mm. of course it's like a really delicate dance and it's that's what we have to work on. We should go yeah, in there thinking, suppose, like, I'm not yeah, gonna, yeah. it's just kind of going in without that fear. I think it is. So again, coming back to what we were talking about in terms of confidence and and the, the person that you were just alluding to, I think if we can start with the confidence, like I I know that I am a competent, confident HR professional. I know that. I know that I am a competent confident coach in supporting HR yeah I know that I could do recruitment I know that I could do talent and acquisition I know that I could muddle my way around HR systems but actually if I need an expert recruiter I need to come to you if I need somebody that's an expert in HR systems I need somebody that's an expert in HR systems if I need an, an HR expert project manager or program lead, I need that expert. There are things that I know enough of to get me started or to get me through. And in some cases, that might be enough. I love that. But there yeah. are also things that I know I would need an expert. I'm not an expert in employee engagement. Right. I can say what is needed in an organization in order for an organization or in order for the people within the organization to be engaged. But if you want stats and figures and research and systems and touch points and whatever else you may need with it, that's not my bag. I am not an expert in employee engagement. Yeah. If you want an expert in Chupi, I am not an expert in Chupi. I am not an expert in mergers and acquisitions. But I know enough to get all of that stuff started. And then, and then, like the thought stops there, right? You don't continue down the road of then self, like, you know, oh my gosh, I am the worst that I don't know this. You're not judging that lack of knowledge. No, and I've had to grow that throughout my career. You know, like I've been really lucky with all of the organisations that I have, particularly where I was a generalist, because there were lots of times where I did just get thrown in at the deep end. 
And I know that happens to a lot of us in HR. We just get chucked in right. and it is, you know, kind of, I suppose, teaching your child to swim, isn't it? You know, do you just put them in armbands and just throw them in the pool? Or, you know, do you kind of hold them for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks until they kind of look ready for themselves? So I've had lots and lots of instances of kind of sink or swim. And, you know, we again, we've talked about before, haven't we, about the fact that we are both overachievers. We are both overperformers. So from my perspective, like, I want to know how to do it. If you've asked me, I really want to learn. So either let me learn through experience or let me research or let me speak to somebody or kind of do whatever. But I've ne- I would never allow myself to get totally out of my depth. Like yeah. if it gets to a point of like, right, do you know what? I don't know. That's the point that we need to bring an expert in. And I think that's where lots of yeah. HR struggle and again I know we've both spoken about this why would HR need a coach because HR are coaches why do HR need help with recruitment because HR do recruitment so when we're kind of having the conversations it's like you there are times you need an expert like reach out to us let us help you yeah I I can't do that yeah I keep thinking about sports like someone told me the other day which I forgot about that like elite athletes get more coaching they get more trainers Yeah. So, like, you're at the top of your game in your sport. You don't suddenly say, I don't want any help anymore. You're actually, you welcome it, you embrace it, you seek it out. Yeah. I find it odd that HR, but not odd, it's, it's consistent with what we're talking about. They're afraid to embrace it because there's some fear there, some fear yeah. of job security yeah. or fear of, of not showing value. And I think that's what you really need to work on. Like, you have value just by being in this profession it is such a valuable noble profession it doesn't even if you outsource like everything you still have a role in the company mm. in terms of like building relationships and yeah. adding value yeah I, there's sort of this i don't know we're at the cusp of it we're like we need everybody to just feel like you have value and i think actually kamala said something in her acceptance speech around I'm paraphrasing here, but basically women, when you're in a room and you feel uncomfortable, know that there are many of us in that room with you cheering you on. Yeah. I couldn't help but think of HR in that moment of like, I hope every HR leader watching this knows like Kelly and I are in there with you. Just even if you picture us being like, yes, ask for all that external help you need and know that you still have value. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The other thing that I think comes up for me with imposter syndrome, I think because we've, and you and I have talked about this before, the buzzwords of HR and like kind of how we just, there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. When I talk to people in HR who've been in the field more than 10 years, sometimes they feel the imposter syndrome because of these words that they're not as like familiar with, or like even for example, the word strategic. I mean, it's so Mm -hmm. overused, right? I need a strategic HR business partner. We only want strategic people. We want strategic players. Well, when I define strategic with the hiring managers, they often don't know what they're saying other than the word. They don't really, they they haven't taken time to define it. Yeah. And so when I talk to HR pros, and again, maybe not as explicitly in terms of imposter, but they'll say to me, you know, I don't know, I've been an HR generalist for a number of years. I'm not sure I'm strategic. I don't, and I'm a little nervous that maybe I am more transactional. At least then we can have a discussion around it. Well, let's see how we're defining strategic. And maybe you are strategic and don't even realize you're strategic. Yeah, and that was going to be my point. So I've got a couple of coaching clients um, who have started working with me 
because they have been told by their CEOs or VPs that they need to be more strategic, so right? Funny. So, okay, so like the, yeah. So the business is like, the so business is going to pay for me to coach you, with, to, for you to be my coach. This is what we need. So we, you know, we, and we start to unpick some of that in, in the, the discovery call. And then, you know, we kind of go on and, and talk about it through the coaching. But I will guarantee you nine times out of 10 during that first conversation, what the HR team will say to me is, is it's just like, we're not a strategic organization. And there was one, there was one particular client um, before she started coach. So we kind of knew, like, I've been told I need to be more of a strategic HR pro. Can you speak to my boss? So I, I spoke to this um, uh, VP of VP of people, had a conversation with him. And he's like, yeah, you know, she, she definitely needs to be more strategic. Um, you know, like we need to she needs to get to a point where she can start, you know, like planning like six months ahead. I'm like, so in terms of strategy in your organization, are you saying that strategy in your organization is a six month plan? Oh, well, well, uh, and this VP of people couldn't even to articulate yeah. what he meant by strategic so from the hr's perspective and she's coming on you know she's coming on absolutely brilliantly she's you know she's going to be she will be the next vp of people but the company has not dis defined what is meant by strategic that doesn't mean she's not doing her job properly she's doing everything right. that she absolutely should be doing of course you know we've all got room to grow we've all got room to develop you and i growing and developing and learning and, and stuff all the time but if our businesses cannot articulate what they want from us, we cannot then expect the HR to just go, oh, yeah, okay, I know what that is. I'm going to go and do it. Right. But she could very quickly have fallen into the, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm a fraud. I shouldn't be in this job. I'm the wrong person. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And she didn't. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the biggest word that we both come across so often that makes people freak out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, what? I would recommend that every HR leader sit down and literally write out what does strategic mean to me? Yeah. Um, because it's a very vague word. It's like agile or nimble. I mean, there's so many <laughs> other ones, but, but that one comes up the most where I'm like, come on, not, you don't even want strategic all the time. That's not, mm -hmm. depending on your definition, it may not, as you said, your organization may not be, your organization might be super spontaneous and yeah. innovative yeah. and, and like, you probably don't want the six month plan in a company. Like no, that. no. So, so there's those, there's all of those yeah. sorts of things. Um, and I, 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 I do, I just think we've got to keep unpicking it. You know, I, I don't think we, I don't, I just, I think we put a lot of kind of weight on our own shoulders. Yeah, you know, I think cool. we expect that we should know everything. And, and again, you know, whether this has been kind of born from, the the sector as a whole whether this has been born from our professional bodies you know kind of wherever it's come from but I, I think there is that you know as HR you should know everything there is to do with people and that's just it's not like I said unless you've done it and learned it and experienced it you don't know everything yeah we literally have to like dismantle that because it's this idea that we should know it all unfortunately it's very common among women and it's very common among marginalized groups of like we have to do 50 times more to get yeah you know potentially what men in business are getting it's like yeah and it's exhausting and i would say that the thing is to remember if you're a woman in hr as kelly's explaining like it's not only you creating this it's part of like how you've been conditioned and how you've been socialized and how we've been taught subtly or not so subtly but like it's time to stop it. Like that's really 
how I feel about it. Like, it's okay to admit it. I think we have to acknowledge it. Oh, I suffer from a lack of confidence because I'm a woman in a very male-dominated business, and I think I have to know everything to deserve the seat at the table, or else they're going to find me out, and they're going to just yeah. replace me with one of their friends. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. a really common story we tell ourselves. So it's good to acknowledge it. Then it's good to challenge it and say, so so what am I going to do about that? Like, yeah. I don't want to feel that way. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. Um, and how can I change it? You know, what you were yeah. saying about um, – you know, kind of top athletes. Again, I I, I wrote as I think we, we you and I have been sharing a braid. I think over the last couple of weeks, so we similarities in terms of our posts. But you know, I, I think I put something out last week. You know, when I when I first started my career, like coaching was really saved for you know it was exclusive for for chief execs and those sorts of things. But actually, it, it has become more. And from that sports star's perspective, I can remember um, Andy Murray you know, from a, from a tennis perspective, the year that he won Wimbledon and, you know, they were talking about all of the different training and what he'd done and all of those sorts of things. Like he's, I know we're both big into yoga, but like he was big talking about the fact that he got into yoga because actually it was a great way to lengthen and strengthen his muscles. So he had a yoga teacher, he had a new nutritionist, he had a, you know, a strength coach, he had his tennis coach, he had all of these different kind of coaches and things to help him you know, and even from my perspective, you know, personal training, I, you know, I have a coach, um, I have a, you know, I have a therapist, I have a, you know, somebody, you know, nutrition perspective, I have like a team of people that keep me do, you know, allowing me to do everything it is that I'm doing. I'm not just like, oh, you know, 22 yeah. years in, in HR, I'm a qualified coach. I don't need anything else in my life now. No, because again, like the more I'm growing and the more visible and the more energy I need to use and the more I'm giving to everybody else. Actually, I think I need more now than I did at the start of my career. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And this is a total like non sequitur, but I don't know my brain's thinking about it. So I'm going to say it. You just had me thinking about like executive search, right? So there are a lot of people in my industry because I do HR HR placement really at all levels. I mean, it tends to be more mid to senior, but I've always challenged that thought of like, why wouldn't you want an external recruiter for a more junior search? They're just as hard. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I've had a lot of like elitist kind of, you know, whatever, the pretentious crew of, of HR leaders come to me and say, well, if you're going to do executive search, you have to only do executive search. You know, it's a very different type of recruitment than all the other levels. And I've always challenged that because to me, it's like, we all need... This, we all need a good service. All candidates, whether they're five years in HR or 25, they want a certain experience. All hiring managers need a certain experience. All recruiters, like this notion that we sort of like, exactly, I guess it's just coming up for me because it's like this idea that some things are exclusive or elite or only for some, but not for all. Like we're mm -hmm. missing the point, which is like our entire field needs X. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know, but again, like the point that you just made there, the last lot of senior, um, oh, what's happening with sound? You're fine. Maybe a bit reverberating. Uh, but the last lot of, um, the last HRD, senior HRD that I recruited, the amount of, not that I wasn't recruiting, but I was helping with the interview process. So there was a recruiter that was doing it and they kept coming back, you know, people at this level don't want to give this level of information. People at this level oh. don't want to do this. People at this level don't want to do that. And it's kind of like... If you, like, so you want the big bucks, 
but you don't want to actually go through a process. But I know in some cases you will have designed four or five different interview processes and three different selection processes and all of this sort of stuff to find the junior people within your team. But again, it's like actually when I'm at this level, you should just have my CV, tell me how brilliant I am and just kind of let, let me kind of go with it. And I, I do not, and I'm, what I am going to, I'm going to caveat with here, I don't see that a lot in HR because I do think, again, like we want to have shown that we've gone through the process. We want to have shown that we are good at it. We want to have shown that we've displayed all of our skills. And so it's, I don't see it very often in HR, but that one time really, really stuck with me yeah. because of the amount of people that were, like, you know, if you can't think I'm good enough just by looking at my LinkedIn profile or my CV, that I'm not interested. Like, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. fill in like reams of questions and yeah you know if it's going to be more than two interviews like I'm not interested yeah and I just thought that's really really interesting given the process that we put so many other people through right and a big reason why so many of the people coming in at more junior levels are struggling to get into HR or struggling to get the progression because we as HR seem to be expecting them to you know kind of give us the world in in recruitment processes yeah it's interesting and maybe my brain is going there because i think of it almost like a pendulum like on one hand you have this imposter syndrome i'm not worthy of anything i have to just like prove myself over and over and over again never feel worthy never feel valued never feel important and then the other end of the pendulum is like this arrogance of well i am now an hr leader and i am untouchable and i am not approachable and you know, until you're an executive, you won't get it. And we're sort of behind these. It's like all of that makes no sense to me. Like somewhere in the middle is the sweet spot, right? This I am confident and I am approachable. I am self-worthy and I'm inclusive. I am, you know, strong and I am vulnerable. Like this kind of in between is where we're, I think, as a, as a field struggling. But I think that comes back to you showed me your little had before we started talking that says values alignment based on your video from today and i said again i think we have been sharing a brain because that's what i've been talking about thinking about for the last last few weeks oh, we are. Me too. But i think some of it also comes to that and again i wonder if from an hr perspective like that a lot of us go into hr with this view of like i want to help people yeah or i am a people person and and i want to do this or, or you know kind of i, I want i want to do that based on uh, you know from from my perspective you know i want to change the world of work that's still really relevant for me i want to change the world of work so and that's kind of, that's kind of what got me in it when i hit burnout in 2013 what i recognized as i came out of the other side of that is a lot of the work that i was doing the environment that i was in and the toxicity of the exec team that i was working with my values were here and yet the work was pulling me so far away from all of that i think that added a lot to my to my burnout sure. and what's been coming more and more apparent to me over the last seven eight years is that in order to I need to be aligned to my values. Firstly, if I'm going to deliver great work. Secondly, if I want to change the world of work. Thirdly, if I'm going to continue to, you know, delivering everything that I'm doing. But that's really, really important to me. And I do wonder if from an HR perspective, again, and I, not to necessarily generalise, but I wonder if we go in with our values intact, because this is why we've joined HR in the first place. 
And more and more and more, as it becomes more about policy or it becomes more about the exec team or all of these sorts of things, we start to become pulled further and further apart from our values. Yes. And I think that's where we get to the, some of the point of, you know, well, I'm, I'm the most senior HR person. I don't need training. I don't need support. I don't need coaching. I don't need recruitment help. I don't need any of this sort of stuff. And then something clicks and it's kind of, like, oh, actually, no, I need to come back to my values. And now, yes, I do want help and support and development and training and, and I want to grow my network and I want to find out what everybody else is doing but it feels there is this kind of like midway where something happens because a lot of the time you know many of us will know when we get into the HR space because we think oh, it's all about people and if we're not working in an organization where the exec team and the leadership team are putting people first it becomes about policy. It becomes about disciplining people. It becomes more about the money. The amount of times I have sat outside exec boardrooms, either as, you know, HRD or, or as a consultant, where it's like, oh, can you present to the exec board today on, on this, that or the other? And it's like you sit there all day and you don't get to go in and present your paper because people wasn't, you know, pe the people stuff wasn't important enough to speak about on the agenda. What message is that telling us? So yeah. again, what are all these kind of messages that are going round and around in our head? So actually, you know, and I've heard HR people say, you know, if you want to be, a, you know, if you're a people person, you don't want to go in HR. Right. Like right. that's that's that happening, isn't it? Yeah. Right. That's that's moving away so far away from our values. That, you, that message doesn't even like register with you and I. I'm always like, what? What do they mean? As if it's like exclusive. I know, but they're not. You can be people and heart focused and still be an executive and still be a valuable leader. And still be commercial and yes. still be focused on money and still be yes. focused on service and still be focused on customers and all totally. of that kind of stuff. We we can do it. We are doing it. We have done it. Um, yes. But yeah, there is there is all of that sort of stuff. And, and again, I wonder at what point I don't necessarily think we have or we see or we hear about the imposter syndrome stuff when our values are aligned. I think we hear yeah. more about it as we start to edge away from it. Yeah. And it's all, you know, because it's kind of then like, should I be moving further away from my values or closer towards them? Well, what's coming up for me when you're talking about this is this notion that there's also this external influence that impacts our imposter syndrome. And maybe we're too like permeable that the word I'm thinking of like we're we're like too sponge-like as HR pros of oh the executives think this about me so I'm starting to absorb it and starting to feel it when we can't really I mean we can't really control exactly we can a little bit but we can't really control what the executive team or what people think about HR that's a different training that's a different lesson no, that's that yeah. Yeah, yeah is like what do we think about ourselves I mean this was the whole bamboo HR presentation I did of like what are we saying about ourselves in HR? And so to tackle imposter syndrome, to get more confident and to get more sort of like in yourself as a professional, yeah. you have to try and look inward, not just blame everybody on the outside. Because sometimes it starts it with us. Yeah. It starts with us. Yeah. I hear it a lot. Like, well, it's my leaders who don't invest in me or it's my, I get all of that. I'm not suggesting, I don't want to dismiss that, but like the harder work is to look inward and say, why am I not standing in my power? Why am I not asking for what I need? And what? Yeah. Why am I not? not even asking for it, just demanding it and requesting yeah. it. Yeah, why like, am I not investing in myself? Yeah. Why do I not feel worthy of investment? Again, yeah. that's something that we spoke about a few weeks ago, wasn't it? But 
Why do why do we not feel worthy of the investment? And again, is it because we feel that we have to have these thousand hats on all the time and that we just think that we should know it all? And yeah. And so again, like recognizing that we need some help or we need to talk to somebody or we need yeah. to say, actually, I don't know this. Could you just give me some time? Don't right. do we then fall back into the trap? Well, then, but if I ask for this, people might then think I'm a fraud and I'm not capable of doing my job. And therefore, am I risking my job by saying that I don't know something? And that comes back to your pendulum. It's that kind of never ending circle, isn't it? Yeah. And is that true? And like, yeah. if that is true, are there other places I can land? And are there other safe places for me to go that are more aligned with my values? Like, yeah, it's funny, I've been taking so many notes as we're talking and I have like, we should know it all so many times. And I think if someone's suffering in HR with imposter syndrome, maybe they need to ask themselves, like, why do I feel I should know it all? Just start there. Why do I feel I should know it all? Yeah. Or, or again, flipping that, why do I not feel comfortable? I don't know. Why? Why am I not confident enough in myself that's making me get to that point of imposter syndrome? Yeah. If, like I, I said at the beginning, like I know where my skills lie and I know where my skills don't. And I know where I need experts and where I don't need experts. I know where, I, you know, I kind of know where I can deliver something really well and I know where I would pull some somebody in. But in some respects, like it takes it does take a level of confidence to say that's not my skill set. You need to be talking to somebody else. Yeah. Okay. And again, so we had a conversation weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. We had a conversation weeks and weeks ago, didn't we, about um like being able to like being able to say no, setting better boundaries. Yeah. Part of that also includes our skill set. Yeah. I think that's so great. Like, that's not my skill set. I need some help. Maybe as an HR pro, you have to ask yourself, how would I feel if I said that? When I hear that, what comes yeah. up for me, right? Yeah. It's not so yeah. comfortable to hear, but actually it's really important. And to your point of accountant, if you're a staff accountant and it's something a financial analyst needs to be doing or something that a bookkeeper needs to be doing or yeah. gosh knows what other 40 titles are in that yeah. space, I don't even know. They would say confidently, that's not my skill set. I mean, lawyers do it all the time, even. Like, that's not for me. Let me bring in an external counsel. Let me get marketing people do it all the time. They say, oh, I think we need a creative designer. Let me hire one. Yeah. My, my friend, for example, she's in external event planning. And I ask her all the time, like, so when internal event planning companies or companies who have internal event planning groups, when they have to call you, do they have this guilt or shame about calling you? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, in HR, if they have to call external help, they go through this whole emotional turmoil to get yeah. to the point. Yeah. Like, not at all. They just go to their CEO and say, like, hey, we're doing an event. We're going to need external help. We're calling XYZ person. Yeah. Like, no big to do. And I don't know. I think this is related to imposter, that it becomes a big to do to admit that's not my skill set. I need some help. Or... That is my skill set. I still need external help. I just, for whatever yeah. reason, I need yeah. to learn. I need to, I need some yeah. support. I'm overwhelmed. Because if I admit that I can't do that bit, what else might I have to admit that I can't do? Yeah. And maybe if I say three or four times, actually, that's not my skill set. That's not my skill set. You might then think, actually, I'm just not up to the job anyway. So you're just going to bid me off. That but makes you're it so sad because it's probably a really common thought. Well, isn't I like I said, you know, when I got to HRD level, 
I didn't need to be an expert in everything. And I knew that I wasn't there because I was really great at systems. I wasn't there because yeah. I was really great at engagement. I wasn't, you know, I, I got to HRD level because of my leadership capabilities, because of my knowledge of HR, because of my generalist stuff. But, you know, it was, you know, most of that was about my ability to lead and, influence and you know all of all of those sorts of things it wasn't about oh, actually so as hrd you are now also need to be the expert in systems and recruitment and od and talent and engagement and blah, 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 like everything else that hr is responsible for i didn't need to do that and i was happy to say yeah. i you know these are the experts that i have working with me yeah that i work with these these are my, like these are the experts yeah speak to this person, speak to this person and speak to this person. I had right. no issue with that whatsoever. Yeah, but that was years of work you did on yourself, you know, to it get was, to and I And I don't also, you know, like I started my career in retail and that's really where I then started to get in, into the HR side of things. But I think there's only so point, you know, there's only so far that you can go like trying to sell somebody or help a customer in a department that isn't yours. Right. Yeah, I can't yeah. answer te technical questions about something that I don't know about. Like if you want to talk to me about specs and, you know, but I, I can't help you. Right. Here's the item. If you need more information, I'm going to go and find somebody to help you with that. Yeah. And so I don't know if because that's kind of how I started my career, like let me find an expert to help you. Yeah. Whether that then carried on with throughout my career with me. I've never claimed to be an expert in everything. Yeah, I know. I'm not you are pretty unique in that. It's funny. I did a video on my YouTube channel last week on us versus them because it comes up a lot in recruiting of like, why would an internal recruiter hire an external recruiter? It's a defeat. Their job would be at jeopardy. They might say, you know, that's what I'm getting paid for. I can't call an external recruiter. And it's, it's you know, Brene Brown always says like, that's the story we tell ourselves. Like, yeah. or if both of us know from therapy, like that's often a question of, is that true? Is that true? Right. That's like a common way to get you to say like, is it? So like, I often say to corporate recruiters when they say that to me, like, is it true that your job would be in jeopardy to use me, partner with me one time on a search? Or is it true that they would think you're less valuable if you had a partner? And you can tell they're like, no, it's not true, but I'm telling myself that. And then it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, then why are you telling yourself that? Yeah. What do you feel so insecure about? Yeah. And like when yeah. I asked my friend Jessica, who's in event planning about it, and she said, you know, it's not, I don't think in, in event planning there's an insecurity about getting external help. I said, well, then it is, the more I think about it, it's something specific to the HR community that um, relates to all of this. Like, here. And I, I wonder again, we've and we've had this conversation, it is changing, but I don't think quickly enough. Is it because again, so much is it a gender thing? Is it because so much of yeah. HR is you know is is female focused? Is it because so many of the chief execs that HR have been reporting to since day dot are male and that the responsibilities within, you know, for the people function have just been actually that's HR's job. So is it because, in, you know, is it a gender thing? We may or may not get the answer to yeah. that. Is it because too many execs have just, you know, continued to just pass the buck to HR and not taken any responsibility? So over time, we become defeated by the fact that it's like we need senior engagement in order to make things happen. And you're still kind of like, we don't really care. It's an HR thing. Yeah. So I think there's, you know, I think there's all of those 
sorts of things in there and and again from a confidence perspective and and just what you as you were talking there about kind of the internal external um events planner do we focus enough on the outcome and what is right for the customer or clients being our internal people or are we in some respects like kind of fighting for somebody to say to you know well done on that Laura like that was amazing like is it more important that we get some feedback or try to get some positive feedback or is it more important than we deliver because that internal external marketing that you were talking about I would guarantee like this is your brief this is the event that we need organizing go make it happen actually that's not in my skill set I'm going to speak to Laura Laura's a brilliant uh, event planner Laura's going to make it happen. Let's partner. Let, let's do everything that we need to do. When I do my, and I get I get asked this quite a lot. Like if I'm if I'm doing keynotes, my talk is not about me. My talk is about the audience. And if I am feeling insecure or lacking in confidence or like oh my god, like what if what if I don't say the right thing? Like if I make it about me. I cannot deliver to the audience. Right. The minute I make that talk about me, I can get nervous and, and you know, it, it right. could all, all, all just fall to pieces. So again, from an HR perspective, when we're trying to hold on to all of this stuff, are we holding on to it because we want to be the people to try and make it happen mm -hmm. so that somebody might say to us, good job, Laura, that was brilliant. Or could we give it to you, give it to me, give it to this external person, give it to somebody else in the team, maybe even somebody else in the business and just say, go deliver that because that's not my skill set. I love it. To bring it full circle, I think that would lessen imposter syndrome because you would recognize the power of community, of partnership. You would recognize that you don't have to have all the answers that yeah. none of us do and that we get more answers when we compile a committee yeah. and really yeah. have like a team set up. And sometimes the team is half internal, half external, vice versa. It doesn't matter. The point is you're not supposed to do it all by yourself. I think it's just yeah. too much pressure. You're absolutely right. It's like, and they're not always thinking what's best for the business. Like they're just, because they're, it's such a fear-based, I have to hold my position strongly. Yeah. And, it, you know, it goes into delegation, right? A lot of HR leaders struggle to delegate. Yeah. And it's yeah. all connected to this. Like, yeah. What do you have, and what again, do you have that comes to? back to what we were talking about from a burnout perspective. And again, you know, is it is part of this agenda thing, right? So when, like, let's say, again, we were saying at the beginning, weren't we, in terms of like me, me feeling like, I don't know, just a little bit run down, a little bit heavy over the last couple of weeks. But if I keep going and going and going, so I have to be the one that, you know, is full on at work. I've got to be the one that's doing the washing, the cooking, the cleaning, the ironing, the picking the kids. Yeah. There will become a point I'll just crash. Sure. And I can't do anything. But if I get to the point of like asking, you know, family, other half, kids, whatever, actually, I'm, you know, could you just do that for me? I don't have to take that. I don't have to. I don't have to be the one to do it all. Yeah. And I your value doesn't decrease. Yeah. You know, your value doesn't decrease. You don't suddenly become less than. Yeah. And that's the And I become more aligned to my values. Of course. Because my, you know, my, my values exactly and it's you know so i'm i'm doing all of that stuff if i keep holding it all and pushing and just grabbing and going into like martyrdom like i i have to be the martyr 
I'm going completely against my values of integrity because I'm not doing the right thing. Exactly. We are enough and we are valuable as is. And maybe anyone in HR who's been feeling the imposter syndrome, I hope they know like we all do to a certain extent, but we hopefully gave you some tips here around how to question yourself and how to like think through it a little more. And it helps me to write. I took a whole page of notes today, but just to write out your thoughts and question it and see yeah. like what it's from. So I know we only have three minutes left, but I wanted to make yeah. sure that you tell people what we're wanting to talk about two weeks from today on our next Yeah. Week. So again, I think you've kind of alluded to it, haven't you already in your Us Versus Them video that you mentioned. But in two weeks time, we are going to be talking. And we need to think of a title, but basically it is going to be the kind of Us Versus Them. So the relationship between HR and all of the other people functions. So talent, um, recruitment, engagement, OD. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. How we're all in it together. We've got to kind of stop this battle of my team and my team and my team and see that we are all Maybe in it together. That's it. HR, we're in it together. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, because that it, might be it, a title. We're too we're too siloed sometimes, and I'm I'm hearing from a lot of HR pros that they're feeling really isolated in their organization for that reason, and they're starting to develop some resentment, some judgment, and it's mm -hmm. it's unhealthy. We are in it yeah. together. The field yeah. needs to be more aligned with each other. And I actually just did a LinkedIn post yesterday about how, you know, if you work in a certain function within HR, why don't you email or contact someone else in a different department of HR to talk to them? And it's funny how I think that's like a new concept for a lot of people. If they work in benefits, are they talking to their peers in employee engagement, you know, in larger companies, of course, in smaller yeah. companies. Although in smaller companies, and we'll talk about this in two weeks, it's just as important to do it with other companies then and have yeah. HR peers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we want to make sure that HR know that you know they're in it as a community and together to stop trying to do it alone and I think it ties into what we're saying today you'll feel less alone when you realize you're not yeah absolutely and we are in the room with you that's the magic we are in the room with you we are cheering you on from the sidelines we've got your yeah. back and we will continue to have so awesome so you thank can you, um, you can subscribe to this so thank you everybody that has watched thank you for if you're watching it on, on replay um, so if you're watching it on replay, you may be watching on my YouTube, which is Kelly Swingler, or you may be watching it on Laura's YouTube, which is Learn With Laura HR. Did I get that right this time? You did. Yay. And if you want to find out about any of us, um, both really active on LinkedIn. Laura is much more active than me on Twitter, but she's got a, her, her tag under her. Yeah, yeah. At Eastside Staff. And Instagram. Same tag. Yep. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can find any of us on there. Um, but yeah, if you've got questions that you would want answering for the next one, so um, how do we, I don't know, how we do, how do we bridge the divide? How do we stop the divide? How do we We're become more about one team? We're all in it together. If you've got questions about that, or if you've got, if you want, you know, if you've got particular issues that you are facing in your organization at the minute that you'd like to let us know about confidentially and maybe we can tackle those in the chat for you then again let us know drop us drop us messages um, and we'll answer as much as we can for you and on that note we will leave it there have a wonderful week everybody and you lovely to speak to you again you too see you later bye